0: This is Chris Carson, you listen to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert, and awesome to be back here on the pod, um, bringing it live to you on YouTube and on Periscope, and also, of course, here on the podcast feed. A quick reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, if you could please give us a thumbs up on there, if you could write a comment below. It would definitely help our robot overlords and get them very happy in their tiny robot pants. Helps with the algorithm; it sends more people to the stream, and we'd certainly appreciate it. We'll make sure to uh, re- reply to every comment underneath there. So subscribe, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you're, you're listening. Subscribe, rate, review, but, it's, but but especially on YouTube because our silent partner, whose name I won't mention, keeps fucking hammering us with this. <laughs> so that's ask people to please comment. So uh, there we go, Byron. Before we get started uh, today, we're going to talk about winners and losers from the NFL draft. I think you have a prepared list of like five running back winners. Of course, there's some losers that we're going to talk about. But um, I, I, I just wanted to ask you first, just a couple – from, from a couple bits of news and notes. Has, and as I put out the t- 2020 uh, best ball cheat sheet for the version 2.0 that just came out, there was a bunch of stuff that got all you know twisted up and, and, and uh, a bunch of people that we had to really move a whole lot. Do you think, just before we even get started – are you? Are, well, let me ask you this: Are you? Are you going to talk about Leonard Fournette at all? No, nope. with any of your. So you don't consider him a winner of the draft, even though they didn't draft anybody. They took Tavian Feaster from Clemson. They took uh, James Robinson from Illinois State, but both those guys were undrafted free agents. Chris Thompson now goes to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um. Does. does first like you're not going to call him a winner why did you know? he's kind of technically probably a winner from the draft standpoint right did you think about including him
1: i mean to me he's maybe an honorable mention guy it's kind of hard to call somebody a winner when their team was trying to trade them the entire draft <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's true that, that they couldn't get a seventh rounder for him yeah i just don't nobody but for what they wanted They had no takers, and by the time they were to day three, everybody had their running backs at that point. So it didn't make sense. I mean, I suppose you can make a twisted argument that he was a winner. I think he's an honorable mention. You know, we hear Doug Marone coming out in the last few days, supporting the run Him until the wheels fall off narrative, but it's just it's far from sure, man. You worry about – I'm not that worried about Chris Thompson, but I hate Jay Gruden. We hate the Jaguars. You know, the hundred targets – for Leonard fournette I mean everybody continues to forget that he had a hundred targets last year I mean that was a uh, that's very important so I don't know that chris Thompson going to take that much away I just don't think they had anybody else who could come in on third down I mean we know Armstead probably can but I, you know he didn't really yeah I'm not sure he really capitalized on the opportunities he got last year to the fullest so I'm not sure I'm so worried about Thompson but You know, you worry there could be a midseason trade, kind of a la Kenyon Drake last year, who was in the final year of his deal. Somebody was willing to make that trade, you know, midseason, even if there's an injury, something like that. So, uh, you know, you make a good point. In some ways, he is a winner. It's just, you know, it's just kind of ironic, uh, the player whose team was trying to trade him the entire draft. And really couldn't get anything of value in return is uh, to call him a winner, but in a twisted way, that's, that is, that is true.
0: Leonard Fournette's ADP and best ball leagues since the NFL draft has now fallen to basically 23 and a half, 23, 20. So the second round, third round turn with Chris Thompson being there. Do you think, I, I mean, we had, we had Nixon, the lead singer from what's his band shit Uh, framing Hanley but he's also a guy who I play in that, uh, in that dynasty league with the, uh, with that, that dynasty startup with Siege in. And he had a really good draft in that league. Seems like a super sharp guy and had a bunch of good takes on the podcast. You should go back and listen to that one. If, 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 if you haven't, but uh, he was, he said like, like a month ago that he had it on good authority. The Jags were gonna go after Chris Thompson. And I thought it was cockamamie. And it turned out, it turned out to be true. And I, I said at the time, if Chris Thompson were to go there, it, it, it would worry me about Leonard Fournette because it did seem like Leonard Fournette was forced maybe more targets than we would expect. Right. It doesn't seem, uh, is, is it, is it optimal to be, to be targeting Leonard Fournette one, uh, 100 times in a, in a football season, given his particular skill set. Do you think that that's, I mean, we, we, we've always said that Fournette can catch better than people give him credit for, but is, I mean, does he really need to be the, the usage monster that, uh, that, a, that a Christian McCaffrey is or something in the passing game? And, 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 is, and, and is the, you know, Jay Gruden has, you know, he has the connection with Chris Thompson. He knows how to use him in the passing
1: game. Yeah, I mean, I think it is preferred to use Leonard Fournette like that and to give him as much volume as possible. I mean, he's really not much different than a Zeke Elliott. I mean, truthfully, think about the $90 million Dallas is paying Zeke Elliott. And you have Leonard Fournette about to hit the streets for peanuts. Uh, In the next 12 months, it's just a crazy disparity. When you think of that, when you zoom out and think of that, but I mean, here's the thing. I'm not surprised by Chris Thompson. I, the signing, it makes sense to me given Jay Gruden and considering just considering what's going on, the lack of overall depth uh, on the, on the roster there at that position. But if you look at it, I mean, Chris Thompson didn't come in and get, I I mean, we might want to double check, but I don't remember him coming in and getting the big volume last year, coming off the injury that at times we thought he might. I mean, we kept kept looking at him as a possible deep flex play or a waiver wire guy there through the earlier part of the season. And and I have to go back and look at his stats. But, I mean, that was Jay Gruden's guy, and he didn't really get him that involved last year in Washington. It seems like they certainly, certainly could have with the rookie quarterback. So, I mean, it's not optimal. It concerns me a little bit. I'm more worried about just the entire situation. I mean, I think if Leonard Fournette falls to, if we start to get an ADP in round three, especially the back end of round three, uh, closer to draft times, then you I think you're going to still want to go in pretty deep uh, there. All right, so uh, Trashman
0: and I talked a little bit about some fantasy losers at the running back position from the uh, from the 2020 NFL Draft, guys like you know Damian Williams with Clyde Edwards Elaer coming in there. Guys like Jonathan Taylor, with, um, or I'm, I'm I'm sorry, guys like Marlon Mack with Jonathan Taylor coming in there. Um, guys like Justin Jackson, who looked like he was set up to be sort of a one B there to Austin Eckler with the Chargers. Now he has Josh Kelly to deal with. Um, who are some other some other losers? I'm trying to think of just some off the top. Uh, Chase Edmonds is probably a bit of a loser with Eno Benjamin. Uh, coming in there uh, to sort of be the backup to Kenyon Drake. Um, Who else is a, who who else? Oh, Devin Singletary is probably a little bit of a loser with Zach Moss getting drafted to the Buffalo Bills. Um, Those were all guys we talked about in that podcast with Trash Man. But for this one, Byron has some fantasy winners at the running back position among running back veterans. So why not just get Get when I get started with, I think you got five of them. Do you want to just go down the list, or do you want to go to the honorable mention dudes, or how do you want to do
1: it? Yeah, I mean, I think there, are, I think all of these, all of these narratives are important. It, it's just that to me, if if you're not a winner, kind of goes without saying that you may have been a a loser. I know everybody's interested in everything, but I think folks are <laughs> most interested in who's the winner, who are the guys that get the big boosts to their value coming out of the draft. And so, you know, having already reflected extensively about the fallout from the draft on the rookie running back class last week, Alex, you know, we talked about, you know, the, in terms of the rookie class, the big, big winners there, you know, really versus their pre-draft rankings were obviously Clyde Edwards, a to Kansas city and cam Akers to the Rams and Keyshawn Vaughn to Tampa. You know, Daryl,
0: Daryl Henderson, another giant loser. We have we have we have Dev Rock in the chat saying that Jamal Williams is a loser because of AJ Dillon. I agree. I think Aaron Jones is a loser because of AJ Dillon and myself too. But yeah, understood. Yeah.
1: Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins landed in desirable locations as well, but they were at the top of. Justice
0: Hill is team. a huge loser in this. Probably the biggest loser. Yeah,
1: he he is that is a huge loser. That's that's really really bad in dynasty for folks with Justice Hill shares because he had a chance there before this, but you know, it goes, you know, Justice Hill is easy. You know, you that think guy might happen. land on his feet somewhere. Good. He might land on his feet somewhere and be good
0: down, down and the he's road. He's a
1: good player. That was a deep class last year, but it was still hard to get him above like RB eight, yeah. RB nine, yeah. RB 10 in that class. You just see year after year, <laughs> after year dudes, the dudes that are drafted in that. I think he was round four, man. It's just a really tough sledding for those guys moving forward. So anyways, nonetheless, considering, Uh, you know, the analysis that we've already put forth regarding the fallout from the draft in terms of the rookie running back class and who are the guys that really got a big bump there. I thought for this one, I'd focus on my top five running back winners, my top five veteran running back winners post NFL draft, Alex. um, You know, these are guys who emerged stronger after the draft than they were before. Uh, So I'll begin with the guy that may have been the biggest winner uh, Second-year running back Miles Sanders of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they didn't draft a single running back. Uh, the guys behind him on the depth chart are Boston Scott, Corey Clement, and Elijah Holyfield. Two hundred twenty-nine touches last season for Miles Sanders, including sixty-three targets. I think there's a real chance he pushes for two hundred seventy-five to three hundred touches this year, Alex, and may even may even end up res- resulting in eighty to one hundred. Targets in the passing game, which would be a massive boon, you know, even even and especially in a Doug Peterson offense. So I look as, at Miles Sanders as one of the big, big veteran winners after the NFL draft at the running back position.
0: You know, the, the one thing I worry about with Miles Sanders is just the fact that that offense doesn't they, they're committed to a committee they're committed to a, to a committee. I I just, I worry that Miles Sanders is not ever going to get fed there. I know that he, I know that it felt like it, you know, I, I I know that it felt like he was coming into his own last year, but man, we, we had, um, there was a tweet yesterday from Scott, uh, one, one of our great friends, one of our oldest friends, Scott, Scott Barrett, who now is with what fantasypoints.com with Hanson and those guys, he put out this list of, um, uh, 18 plus touch uh, running back game since 2016, and Detroit has had 17. We know that they're committed to a committee, right? They've had a running back go over since 2016. They've had a running back go over 18 touches 17 times. They were last on the list, second to last on the list. Philadelphia, that, it's happened 18 times. For context, at the top of the list that Scott Barrett put together, Dallas has had done it 54 times. The Rams have done it 46 times. Pittsburgh, 45, Chargers, 43, you know, 17 and 18 is, is, you know, piddly, piddly, piddly. And I mean, the next one up after that that is at least 21 with, with Miami and think about who Miami's given 18 plus touches to over the course of the last four years. And you can't really think of that many guys. It's been, it's been a struggle fest to get consistent touches there With the Philadelphia Eagles, are you comfortable knowing all of that and knowing that Miles Sanders is a winner and that Miles Sanders is a G and that we love him? Are you comfortable taking Miles Sanders before – well, we just just talked about Leonard Fournette. The ADPs say you know Miles Sanders goes before Leonard Fournette. Do you take him before Leonard Fournette? How do you compare him to Aaron Jones? Um, I feel like that's the kind of area of the world that we need to be talking about with Miles Sanders having an ADP that's sort of in the Kenyan Drake – Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette territory. Well, like, how, how
1: do you how how do you parse all that out? Yeah, I mean, I would take Miles Sanders over all those guys. I mean, you can make over an argument over Kenyon Drake. You can make an argument with Drake, and I'm going to get to Drake here in a minute. I mean, I, th- I think you can make the argument for Drake. I mean, listen, I, I, I was reading that same thread yesterday. I thought there was a pretty sharp sharp commenter in that thread who, you know, he he. He, he he thought that maybe maybe Scott Barrett was falling into the coaching corollary cliche and i'm not sure that's a trap we want to fall into with Miles Sanders because we look at the actual <laughs> actions the somebody actions talking about a coaching
0: some, somebody talking about a coaching corollary cliche i know that i i i know that that had to be our other good friend the potfather I'm sure because he loves he a, loves cliches hilarious. and he loves ripping on coaching correlator. What's cor- cor- <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, a okay. random commenter in there? Okay, definitely a podfather <laughs> listener, uh, de- definitely a Matt Kelly listener.
1: Interesting so. thread, and so of course I was pleased. <laughs> I mean, that that brings out some yeah. of the some of the sharp you know some of the sharp fans and with you know yeah. interjecting yeah. their analysis. Anyways, nonetheless, you know I think you want to look at the actions of the organization. So I mean, first and foremost, Miles Sanders is just flat out a better running back than they've had in Philadelphia in a while. They haven't done anything to bolster the position. You're talking about a com- committed to a committee. I mean, who's the committee here? I mean, his backups are Boston Scott, Corey Clement and Elijah Holyfield. Who the hell is the committee? Boston Scott wasn't bad in the year last year, man. Well, I mean, but they're going to have 400 plus touches at the running back position. So, I mean, that leaves if Boston Scott is the only threat to miles Sanders. That leaves a boatload of action available to miles sanders i mean Corey clement they've shown they hate him and very little commitment even though we think he's a decent i mean he's he's not going really boston scott
0: right. got 23 touches in week 17 last year
1: Yes, he I mean, he's pretty, he, he had more, a 60
0: he had a 16 touch game he had like he had a 13 touch game a nine touch game a 20 uh 23 like touch game and then in the wild sanders card game also looks like a rookie
1: your, right i mean we've heard it from he yeah nine touches take-ups they're waiting until year two for these guys to be able to pass protect before they give them more action. I just think if you look at the circumstantial evidence of the writing on the walls, it, it dictates that, I mean, you have to be very interested in miles Sanders getting at least 250 touches this year. And there's a strong, strong chance. He goes two seventy 300. And if he goes over that, it wouldn't be, it might be a little bit shocking, but I mean, it, the, the touches are going to be there to go around. So uh, miles Sanders, in my opinion, a big, big winner, uh, uh, post NFL draft you know, came out stronger than maybe you know beforehand. I, I just don't worry about Corey Clement and Elijah Holyfield. You know, I think you're right, Boston Scott could still get a little bit the, of fun there, Alex. So so is he just a runner up or is he top five? No, he's one of the top five running back winners post-back winners. Who are the runners up? Well we'll get to those in a minute. So uh, the, right. the other one of my other big winners here, uh, top five. Uh, post-draft
0: no, no, no no, 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 no. We have to end with the number one winner, and so we got to do the runners up before we get to before we get to number one. Just, just, just for the flow of the show. All right. So let's not do number one and then do the and and well, and 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 then do runners up.
1: Okay. I mean, I think you could argue Miles Sanders is number one, but I'll leave somebody else for number one then. Honorable mentions. Le'Veon Bell, the New York Jets, drafted LaMichael P. Ryan in round four. He has some handcuff potential, but really doesn't offer much more than that. The Jets took a tackle in round one up uh, yeah, at Makai Becton, pick 11. So they invested highly in the offensive line, hopefully to book into him with Adoga out of USC last year. He's still a little concerned about the interior of the line there. Ryan Khalil didn't work out last year. It looks like he's gone this season. They did pursue an offensive guard in round four. So you like to see some help along the offensive line there. Not only for Bell, but just for the entire offense for Darnold, because the more proficient the offense can be, that's going to benefit a guy like Bell big time. So, you know, even you see him go after a Denzel Mims in round two, they've added a pyramid to replace Robbie Anderson, you know, hopefully year two Darnold with gaze. You know, hopefully Sam Darnold doesn't get, you know, contract, you know, mono again this year. I mean, it's just a. Was just a rough, rough season for that Jets offense to get on track uh, last year. So I think you could make the argument that Le'Veon Bell, who's had an acrimonious, you know, relationship at least on the surface with Adam Gaze there in New York, obviously a lackluster season last year. A lot of it because of the poor play of the offense and the offensive line. A guy who looks like he's definitely lost some juice, but obviously still offers plenty in the passing game. So them not going in uh, on another running back in a deep class. I think bodes pretty well for a Le'Veon Bell as a player. Um, you know that at least benefited in some regard from the fallout from the NFL draft. Uh, I'd say the next. What do you think about?
0: What do you think? Of, what do you think about? Um, what do you think about Le'Veon? What do you think about Le'Veon Bell going four spots after Chris Carson right now? Yeah, ADP of thirty-eight. Or no, no, no. Chris. Chris Carson's going three spots after. Chris Carson, how do you stack those two guys up, um, Chris Carson? Especially after the news that we've gotten that Rashad Penny, it looks like he might miss a little bit of time to start the start the season. That's probably pretty good for probably pretty good for Chris Carson. But then again, they did. I guess they who they draft DJ was it, was it DJ Dallas that they drafted. And then, I mean, Travis Homer still there. What do you think about Chris Carson? Uh, to me, that, that's, those two probably shouldn't be that close. I feel like Chris Carson might be being a little bit overdrafted right now. Or maybe do you like him a little bit more than I do?
1: Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, so do
0: you like him better than Le'Veon? Yep. Really? Okay.
1: Do you have a reasons uh, why? I I can get to that in a few minutes. So another of the honorable mention guys, Alex, would be Raheem Mostert of the San Francisco 49ers. The team traded Matt Breida. They did have Jerick McKinnon who offered to play for free this offseason, come back on a one-year, $1 million deal. So, you know, it does look like we're going to have Tevin Coleman and Jeff Wilson back in the mix, potentially at this point. Uh, We were really, really hoping from the outside of the offseason that we'd see the 49ers ditch one, you know, one or more of these guys. So we would have liked to have seen McKinnon or Coleman go the way of Matt Breida in terms of Raheem Mostert's value. Uh, The the team drafted Jamichael Hasty, who I don't, out of Baylor, I don't really expect to be relevant this year at all. Um, So, I mean, one narrative interesting to watch is that the 49ers aren't in horrible cap shape, but they've got to clean, they're going to have to clean up the cap a little bit there. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Tevin Coleman's, a five million dollar cap figure you know that said he's got two million in dead money that accompany that so i'm not sure if it will so i think the trade of matt breda is a small bunk for raheem monster we need to see a little bit more movement there and to get really bullish on him uh, or to feel maybe as good about him as we uh, did when the season ended nonetheless i thought he was an honorable mention there uh alex joe mixon
0: what about tevin coleman too i mean Don't you think Tevin Coleman, don't you think just narrowing this thing down to where it's maybe two headed monster with monster and Coleman helps Coleman at least more than it. Coleman's current ADP one Oh two. I mean, he's going, he's going 27 picks after carry on Johnson. Who's now on a committee with Deandre Swift that talk about another loser from the draft carry on Johnson, Ronald Jones, another loser from the draft with Keyshawn Vaughn going. There is going 13 spots over tevin coleman and this is only over the course of the last week this is this this is post nfl draft it feels like tevin coleman might be somebody who were sleeping on just you know who the community is sleeping on just a little bit being able to take that guy in the ninth round i mean he popped off for big games last year even when we had shit we had some fourth asshole coming in here sometimes right the jeffrey wilson's and the guys like this so um
1: I mean, you can make that Coleman, argument. I argument. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is though, I mean, in terms of you know, B- mustard is the preeminent guy. So I mean, how I, I see again. You can, you, I think you can, in a twisted way, kind of look. I just say Coleman with the five million dollar cap figure. He's the biggest risk to get cut out of that group. You had McKinnon resign. Wilson appears like he's going to be there. So you you can make the same argument for Coleman for Brita. I I think you're just making it for the second guy, and and he's the guy I'd say is at most risk of at some point being cut if it, you know i'm not saying that's going to happen i think that's unlikely that's why mostert still is only kind of an honorable mention guy not enough has occurred for any of these guys to get the big boon but uh shedding shedding matt Breida from the roster certainly benefits to your, to your point tevin coleman Rehim monster we'll have to see how Jarek mckinnon plays into that but uh a small boost for you know the remaining uh marquee guys in the 49ers backfield Uh, in Cincinnati Joe Mixon in in a contract year no other running backs drafted by the team Uh, Rodney Anderson from last year always injured who knows with him unlikely to really have an impact in the NFL always surprised to see that Gio Bernard is still somehow on the team you would think by now (laughs) he would be he would be gone and you know all of his contracts were, would expire, but he is still looks like he'll still be with the team with, uh, for the year. So we'll see what it means for Mixon uh, long-term, but for them not to draft a running back in a contract year to give themselves some. Again, out some, some yeah. cushion, some well, trash and I is- talked
0: about this. It's like, he's like, that's the face of the franchise. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? But Joe Burrow is the face of the face of the franchise. And also is Mixon really the type of guy. I mean, is 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 mixing over all of his off field stuff enough to where he can to where he has the where he has but sort of the the cachet to be one of these guys that, that stages a long holdout? To me, though, like I mean, that
1: feels like may like not be a guy like, that has the capital to be able to pull that off. So yeah, and it doesn't. You know, I think he saw what it how it's worked out with guys like you know with Melvin Gordon last year, et cetera. But nonetheless. Yep. I mean, he's only an honorable mention because you're, we're already all pretty bullish on Joe Mixon and seem to be in a pretty good spot. But if you really think about it, for a running back in a contract year where these things are so uncertain for players, even the good players in that position, it was really an endorsement by the team uh, not to go in on any running backs, even middle-round running backs in such a deep class it's a really good year. do anything it's in good free year. agency. So I think Joe Mixon is a guy who came out at least you know on the surface a little bit stronger uh, post-draft let me get to a few more honorable mention guys here before we get to the bigger winners Alex uh, James Connor of the Pittsburgh Steelers look they took Anthony McFarland in round four you know obviously they still have Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell but that that's getting some done,
0: buzz who's getting some buzz has, Anthony McFarland. there's there's some of these beat riders that think that Anthony McFarland is going to be a bigger factor than maybe you and I are thinking right now
1: yeah, well, I don't trust most of the beat writers. They don't have anything to write about right now. <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> you know, it's pretty clear to me that the Steelers just see Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell for backup running backs in this league. Samuels has had all as good as we think he is. He's had all the opportunities in the world to climb the depth chart. He's performed admirably but just never has. The team doesn't view him that way. Uh, Benny Snell looked pretty good last year you know he's kind of a three down guy that lacks a little bit of juice we asked uh, Kevin Colbert about him at the combine if Snell was a player who deserved more playing time and all he did was pivot to their commitment to giving James Connor every chance under the sun to reclaim if not a full-blown workhorse role of a, a clear-cut lead role in that Backfield, And I just think as much as we like Anthony McFarlane, it's not ideal adding anybody else to the Steelers crowded backfield. It's just I just don't see Anthony McFarlane as the kind of player who's going to walk right into big volume, especially in a crowded backfield in Pittsburgh as a rookie. So, again, it's it's unclear. So that's why I would just call James Conner an honorable mention. But I, I do think he comes out of the draft basically we're in a similar spot to where we thought he was post combine, which was a guy that the Steelers are going to give a chance to that guy to have eighteen plus touches a game this season if they have their druthers. We'll see if he can live up to his end of the bargain. Uh, but uh, S-
0: since the NFL draft, he's he's going twelve spots later than Devin Singletary. What do you think of that? Talking an ADP of
1: thirty versus an ADP of forty-two. Isn't that wild? I did. Yeah, I think you just have to make the argument that those are going to converge. I, I it'd be difficult to. It's almost like, it's almost like fantasy communities. But that's a tough. You know, it's not that far apart, right? That's mm-hmm. a much closer call. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, Alex. I'd say Kenyon Drake was another honorable mention guy in terms of the fallout. You know, a positive boost post draft. I know you said. I think you said Chase Edmonds was took a little bit of a hit there, obviously because the Cardinals. Drafted Eno Benjamin. That was late in the draft. Uh, We didn't really expect the Cardinals to go running back early after investing in Kenyon Drake this offseason. Like you said, Edmonds is still there. He's got a whole hive. He's flashed when he has had opportunities. Obviously, that offense can make anybody look uh, pretty good. I I just felt like coming out of the draft, when Kenyon Drake is your lead dude and you have an opportunity to look at adding some other guys to fortify the position, I thought Kenyon Drake, a player who – the industry, including us, were getting pretty high on pre-draft. I thought he came out of the draft in pretty good shape, Alex. No, I, yeah, no arguments there. And then last but not least, this, this one's maybe a little bit more creative, uh, honorable mentions. We spoke about Matt Breda being traded from the 49ers to the dolphins, uh, mid draft. I actually think Jordan Howard and Matt. I Breda did too. Are, I moved Jordan Howard up the, I mean, I, I moved him but, up.
0: They've addressed the offensive line. It's going to be a better offense in general. Jordan Howard is a plotter, and he, you know, he's not going to be anything that gets you excited. But you have that guy in fantasy as your running back four, which is where you can have where you can have him right now. You know, it's it's it seems it's pretty pretty appealing to me. You know, Tevin Coleman, Jordan Howard, they're these guys that are going in the same pocket as you know, Matt Breida is in that same pocket. These guys are going after Daryl Henderson. They're going twenty-five picks after Philip Lindsay, who is now a backup to Melvin Gordon. They're going. They're going at around the same time as players like Latavius Murray, who's a clear second fiddle option. You know, it, it's it, whenever we're looking at, at three guys there that
1: I just mentioned that are at least kind of at least one Bs. And I and if you really want to drill down into the situation in Miami, uh, especially from a dynasty perspective or you know sixteen team type league or you know anything along those lines, a very competitive format, you know the one thing you'll notice is that neither, you know you know we all know Jordan Howard isn't a pass receiving maven, so you think well maybe Matt Breida coming from San Francisco will be that guy. You look down, you realize. He's basically got the same statistical profile as Jordan Howard from a pass-receiving uh, standpoint. So what that may do in a very sneaky way is leave an opportunity for Patrick Laird to, continue <laughs> to possibly be a third down back there in Miami. And you have to imagine they're going to be in catch-up mode quite a bit. I think there's a lot of touches to go around to the running backs in Miami this year. It's obviously a trash play, but uh, you know I, I couldn't help but notice that. I mean, Laird was a guy getting five, six targets down the stretch Last year, Alex, and that's enough to create some viability in, in PPR. And so those were that was those were my honorable mentions in terms of uh, veteran running backs that I thought at least got a small bump or the appearance of a small bump uh, in post-draft. Um, and that was Levi, that included Le'Veon Bell with the Jets, Raheem Mostert with the San Francisco 49ers, Joe Mixon with the Cincinnati Bengals. James Conner with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenyon Drake in Arizona, and then Jordan Howard and Matt Breida uh, down in Miami. So yeah, that was you, the honorable mention, guys. If you're ready, I can get to the to the veterans I viewed. As all right, me. so we've already talked about Miles Sanders. So we have one, we have one down, one down. So four more guys to go. All
0: right, four more. Drum roll, please. Who's in fourth place?
1: <laughs> Oh, my Lord. I guess I'll have to uh, rank these guys on the fly here. So we'll at number four. We'll go. Well, we'll just say at number five because Miles Sanders is going to be right up at the top. So number five. uh, If you are already inclined to take a chance on David Johnson in Houston, it appears your position has been enhanced post draft. No running backs drafted by the Texans. And all they've got are Duke Johnson, Karan Higdon, and Buddy Howell on deck. Alex, you know we're not sure if David Johnson will be able to deliver the goods, but the opportunity is as ripe post draft uh, as it could be, in my opinion. Did they not draft the uh, the
0: the when the New Mexico State kid? He he wasn't drafted. Um, I'm trying to trying to I forget I forget the guy's name uh Deutsch took him in our Jason Huntley was he not dra- was he not drafted let me just see they, he he i believe they took Jason Huntley at some point um but that's something I'll have to look up here was he even at the combine yeah he was at the combine
1: no they took the Houston Texans took Ross Blacklock a defensive tackle in round 2 they took Jonathan Greenard at edge from Florida in round 3 they took Charlie Hack at tackle from yeah, Carolina yeah. in round four, John Reed at cornerback in round four out of Penn State, and wrapped the draft up with Isaiah Coulter, wide receiver from Rhode Island in round five. So why did why why
0: do I have guy. why do I have Jason Jason Hunt? Why did I have it written down that he went to the Texans? Okay. Well, I need to I need to fix that. But um anyway, you can you can you can carry on. I I was wrong. You were you were right. So would you agree that David
1: Johnson is in pretty good shape after the draft? If you, thought, if you liked him before, how can you not like him now? Right? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking. All right. So uh, at number four, uh, veteran running back uh, winners here post-draft, Alex, Austin Eckler. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers. They drafted Joshua Kelly out of UCLA, a guy we like, in round four. Obviously, they have Justin Jackson still there, who Coach Anthony Lynn has given plenty of lip service to, uh, but all of that was undermined when they took Kelly in round four. I I think in the end, Austin Eckler dodged the big bullet and looks locked and loaded for that 15 to 20 touches per game that Tom Telesco signaled to us at the NFL Combine when we had a chance to question him personally about – Eckler's ability and viability as a lead back in this league, you know, he, he, of course, he, he went to the extreme to uh, try to muddy the waters by saying Austin Eckler will never be a 30 plus touch guy in this league, but who the hell is, right? Yeah, we left Indy with a very strong signal from Tom Telesco the general manager that Austin Eckler was in for just about as many touches as he could handle this year he is the de facto lead guy and I think 15 to 18 touches a game is safe as can be the really interesting it'd be really interesting to see if Eckler can hit 20 touches a game this year I think that's probably his upper limit but um, I I really feel the circumstances are going to dictate that that could be the case so Judging by the actions in the NFL draft only adding a player in round four, Alex, uh, I felt that uh, we leave the NFL draft uh, with Austin Eckler still with a lot of momentum heading into the season. Do you like Miles Sanders
0: better than Austin Eckler if you were picking in, in PPR right now? ADP, the consensus adp is is with uh, is with Eckler by about four spots, thirteen and a half ish versus like seventeen point eight
1: over the last since since the draft i think so that's a really close call it's a really really close call i think eckler feels like the safer bet there i don't know even with the quarterback why. situation yeah even i don't know the- why um i feel like eckler's never going to get 300 touches in the season i don't think i mean if he goes for that 20 touches a game he will i think that's a big push I don't know. That's a tough question. I, you know, in terms of winners from the draft, I think Miles Sanders is a bigger winner than Austin Eckler is. Now we're talking about how comfortable I am with those guys in those roles. I, I, it's two really good options. That it's going to be tough to split the hairs on, Alex.
0: All right. So, but what if I asked you this? Austin Eckler at pick two zero one, or or um, Miles Sanders
1: at pick two zero six. Then I would want Miles Sanders at pick two zero six.
0: Well, I think so too
1: okay all right my third biggest winner uh from the nfl draft a veteran running back winner Uh, we'll give that one to chris carson in seattle alex Uh, like you mentioned dj dallas out of miami drafted in round four who's not very good but i didn't think very high i didn't think did you
0: like i don't think you and i ever did a dj dallas pod did you think very 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 highly of him
1: i mean i couldn't get him into the upper echelon of my ranking story is really a too relevant of a guy pre-draft you know oh, right. at the round four pick signals something though but um i just think you look at a dj dallas in round four to seattle that's pretty meaningless at least this year in my opinion uh the seahawks took a really nice offensive guard in round three uh a player from the senior bowl and out of lsu damian lewis i like seeing the team invest in that offensive line it's annually been a you know a substandard offensive line uh, other than that it's travis homer and rashad penny on the men behind chris carson alex you know there was talk maybe somebody like a Fournette could get traded up there that didn't happen we had 315 touches last season for chris carson include including 47 targets i mean he's a player who's seen more touches every single year in the league he's 25 years old coming off back to back 1300 total yard seasons. Now, look, the the question would be, what is the status of his, his health? You know, the recovery of that hip injury that seemed like it could have been severe there at the end of the season, we got positive news out of the combine from Pete Carroll on that one to kind of begin to quash those concerns. And then I just think if you look at the draft of what the Seahawks did in the draft and what the Seahawks did in free agency, it, really tells us all we need to know about how they feel about Chris Carson and his health leading into the season. So I mean Chris Carson, a big big winner in my opinion of the NFL draft and uh, definitely a running back a veteran running back uh, who I think enters the month of May uh, as enters uh, um, you know uh, as we get closer to the season here is, is with a lot of momentum. Is it just
0: because is it just because we had word? from a lot of people close to the Seattle team that they were going to draft a running back and all this. And they turned out not to draft one until day three. And it wasn't one that either of us were particularly high on from the, from the tape, from the evaluation standpoint, because it was, I mean, they, they did, they did technically address it. They just didn't really address it with anybody, anybody that good for me, for me, the biggest boon to Chris Carson right now is not necessarily, he's a winner from the draft. It feels like he's a winner from the injury. Um, fall out because it just feels like he's kind of recovering better from that injury than Rashad Penny is. I just, I don't know, man, with, with, I, I love Makai Becton and when I think about the jets and I think about another year with Sam Darnold and just Le'Veon Bell there with those guys, I, I think I'm going to take Le'Veon Bell over, over Chris Carson. But you said earlier that that's not the way that you would go gun, gun, gun yeah. your head. You pick Chris Carson. Yeah, he's just been better. I trust the team more. I trust the offense more. He's been I better have, since Le'Veon's been in, the, in New Jersey, yeah, right? But, all right.
1: Thirteen hundred plus yard seasons the last two years. You know, ascending touches every year. Three hundred fifteen. He could. I mean, three fifteen last year. I mean, he's got no competition. He's going uncontested into you know as we head into the season as the clear lead guy especially out of the gate i think chris carson is going to get a lot of action so yeah i mean they're both winners and i you're right his health is the is the i mean that's the uh biggest positive this offseason for chris carson but given his health given rashad penny's situation given the fact that they don't have anybody else on the roster i do think he was a winner from the draft because with this kind of depth available they could have easily i mean i know they exercised the fourth round pick but i think they you could have seen it could be someone a better, earlier, right? Could be someone better. Yeah, could have seen him go a little earlier, get somebody a little bit better, and that would have made me a lot more nervous about Chris Carson's prospects heading in uh, to the 2020 season. Alex, all right. So since we already covered Miles Sanders, we'll just give him the number two designation in terms of uh, my top five biggest running back winners post NFL draft. Uh, specific- and things have
0: gone exactly as I planned. We're going to be ending with the number one player,
1: specific climax. I hope you got a great players. take here. <laughs> so at number two, <laughs> once again, that was just to recap. We have Miles Sanders as a number two big uh, veteran running back winner post draft. Alex, because the Eagles didn't draft a running back behind him, all they've got are Boston Scott, Corey Clement, and Elijah Holyfield. Again, it was 229 touches, including 63 targets last year for Miles Sanders, and he's got a real opportunity here to push upwards towards that 300 touch mark and that you know 75 to 100. Target mark, which would be just you know a mega boon for the second year player, Miles Sanders, who obviously has electric upside with every single touch. Is a sick talent. He's a sick talent. We can't forget it. Yeah, really. And you're gonna have some field stretchers out there now too. Yep. To start to open things up a little bit for a speed guy like that, man. You give Miles Sanders a sliver of space, a a sliver of any more space than he had last year, and I think he's gonna do a lot of damage. Uh, and then, uh, of course, at number one, uh, top five veteran running back winners post-draft, Alex, uh, was Todd Gurley of the Atlanta Falcons. No running backs drafted. I love that.
0: Yeah. He is a winner. I had to move him up on the cheat sheet. I love it. I love it. It's a great take.
1: <laughs> no running backs drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. And it's just a bunch of scrubs behind him in Brian Hill, Quadri Allison, and Edo Smith. Uh, Todd Gurley was still an RB two last season on a respectable 254 touches, you know, despite the significant decline in his targets as a receiver last year in Los Angeles, he was still able to score the 14 touchdowns. You know, he cracked a thousand yards. His efficiency declined big time everywhere. He down to 3.8 yards per carry down to 6.7 yards per catch. He had been more like a nine yard per catch guy, more like a four and a half to five yard per carry guy. So those were, Those were big, big drops, but I I like seeing that he could still handle 254 touches last year. And then with the Falcons not going in on the position in the draft, I just, you know, we're really hoping he's going to get that bounce this year, Alex, by inheriting, you know, a big portion of Devontae Freeman's target share from last season. Uh, It just really, really looks like Todd Gurley emerged from the NFL draft uh, stronger than we could have ever thought.